0: We now travel with a six foot six wow. bearded man who looks like he could kind of fit in in a biker sure. bar. And we would have been, you know, we would have had a little cred, I feel like.
1: Hello and welcome back to the EarFuel podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at @thedailyguru and at GetEarFuel. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores under EarFuel and at GetEarFuel.com. What you heard at the top was a clip from an interview I did with a duo named The Harmilies, and we will get to that right after a quick album review. The record I want to check out today is called Melodrama, and it's the new album from Lord. Now, before you start going on and on about the problems in the current state of pop music or how music hasn't been good for however many decades you want to believe, understand that first off, you're wrong. And second off, while Lorde is certainly popular, I don't think you can just classify her as pop music and just move on from it. There's a lot more to her music. I know, I know, Royals was one of those songs that was impossible to get away from. But if you look past that, you're going to see a young artist unlike any of her pigeonholed peers. Seriously, even David Bowie knew that she was something special and sang her praises many times before he passed. This is someone you really need to pay attention to. To me, this album is all about the empty spaces. It's just got so much openness and area for the music to move around, and that's one of the tricks that Lorde and her production team have really mastered this time. It's almost like they're taking the blues theory of the importance of where you don't play, and they're applying it to the world of pop music. Even when there is a clear pop spin on a song, like the song The Louvre, it keeps the overall desolate feel of the record intact, and there's just this fantastic mood that's going to keep you captivated throughout. This was something that was similarly intriguing on her first album, but they've really stepped it up, if not perfected it with this go-round. A lot of it has to do with the fact that they prove that this overall musical approach is more than just a one-trick pony of an idea. There's more energy on songs like Sober and Supercut, but it gets totally stripped down on a track like Writer in the Dark and Liability. There are also touches of industrial on the song Hard Feelings, and yeah, they just deploy a very cool mood in a number of different ways. You can really sink into this record quickly, and the narrative they've attempted to deploy works on almost every song. It's the muted percussion that really does it for me. The softness it gives off very much defines this album, and it also allows Lord's voice to remain in focus for the entire record. It's the stillness and the vulnerability on the song Liability that just might be my favorite on the album. It's clearly a very personal lament that falls somewhere between anti-fame and heartbreak. She seems to shift in speaking to an ex-lover, the music industry, and her own muse throughout the song.
0: The truth is, I am a toy that people enjoy till all of the tricks don't work anymore.
2: And then they are bored of me. I know that it's exciting.
1: That is such a great line, and you can't deny the very mature writing being expressed here by a singer who's not even 21 years old. And for those wondering, she either wrote completely herself or co-wrote every single song on this album. This is not some singer working with someone else's words. These are hers, and you can feel that on every song. Another thing I love about this record is the overall darkness. There are just enough tinges of light and hope to keep the mood up, But also, this album's kind of able to brood without, I don't know, being broody? Yeah, broody's a word now. Dance numbers like "Green Light" and Supercut fit perfectly with the heavy drama on other songs, and I'm not really sure if the album title was meant to be serious or ironic. Also, on the song Hard Feelings, I love the line, when you've outgrown your lover, the whole world knows but you. And then the almost industrial screeches that follow, it's, it's almost like a sonic representation of tears and a breakdown. It's just outstanding. Check it out. Now, on top of all of this, you have the unmistakable voice of Lord. Even if you're not a fan of the style of these songs, you can't deny the mesmerizing voice she possesses. Working mostly in the lower end of the register, it lends a bit of growl and plenty of personality. The bottom line on Melodrama is that it's a fantastic record, plain and simple. Call it pop, call it indie pop, art pop, dream pop, tronica, it doesn't matter. It's an outstanding album, and it's almost impossible to pinpoint what exactly it is she does, so instead, just sit back and enjoy the songs. Melodrama is easily one of the best records I've heard this year, so give it a spin and hear one of the many futures of music. Moving on. The Harmonies are a duo from Nashville that falls somewhere between Americana, Folk, Indie, and flat-out awesome. They just dropped a new EP called Heareth a few weeks back, and I cannot recommend it highly enough, so go check that one out. The other day, I sat down to speak with Haley and Kaylee, and we covered everything from the drastic changes they made in the way they created this album, to their writing styles, to sensitive biker bars, to... Well, we talked for a bit about Mambo Number 5. It was quite the conversation, so sit back and get to know the harmonies. So, let's start at the beginning which is uh how did the two of you meet
0: so we went to school together we Mm -hmm. both went to belmont university in nashville tennessee and um we met through mutual friends i sat next to her best friend that became my best friend and then we met and then we started making music together
2: pretty quickly too it was we we met in like August, and then we already had a band formed in September. Wow. It was, it was quick.
1: So you were very quickly like, "I this is a musical kinship that we need to make work? Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And had you guys played in bands before?
2: Um, I had done a lot of solo stuff. I hadn't really um, played with a lot of other people prior to our band.
0: And I was just a freelance bass player, so I was playing with anyone I could, and this was the first band
2: I was ever in.
1: Mm-hmm and with your musical roots where 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 did what did you grow up on
2: uh that's a great question you see my parents really aren't um very musical at all so the only cds i had were um share Cher- ricky martin shania twain and then i had it that's, that's quite <laughs> a
1: range that you've made <laughs> yeah there. and then i, I mean.
2: and then i had one uh cd with like five songs on it and like i think it had whitney houston uh-huh. mambo number no. five which Lou is, Vega is just the best one of her top five favorite songs it really is <laughs> and then like rich girl by hollow notes uh-huh. and that was that was it and i just uh listened to those cds and read the liner notes a lot
1: so you get a lot of mambo number no. five in the tour van just you know oh, yeah,
0: probably all every the day. Time.
2: Probably I make them listen to it once a day
1: keeping that song alive yeah it was
2: actually um, if you listen to Spotify a lot um, at the end of the year you get uh, a little like email and it'll say what your top songs were that mm-hmm. you listened to the most and Mambo number no. five was in my top 10. Of 2016. It wasn't
1: number five.
2: I wish. I'll just go for it. <laughs> that would wow. Be okay.
1: It's going to be tough to top Mambo number five, but, oh, <laughs> but kind of your, your sonic really, beginnings. That's
0: really rough. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Wyoming, and my first record was Tim McGraw Set the Circus Down. Okay. Oh, yeah. I got Real Country. Uh-huh. And then when I started playing bass, my mom was a teacher and had a friend whose husband was a bass player, and he just handed me a stack of records with like Jaco Pistorius, Weather Report, Miles Davis. And so I kind of like dived into the jazz world a little sure. bit, even though I totally didn't
2: understand sure. it. So wow. we had almost the same upbringing. Very similar. Yeah, now. it's about the same.
1: Just kind of everywhere.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so when you started being able to buy music on your own and make your own own choices, other, other than Mambo Number 5, <laughs> which we'll, we'll take that as red, um, uh-huh. what did you really gravitate towards?
2: Um, I think the, I, I purchased the Vanessa Carlton CD first with my own money. I had like this little Walkman and I, I definitely bought that CD first. There you go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I listened to Brandy Carlisle. Mm -hmm. I had, that was like one of the first. Yeah.
1: So it's definitely these, which which makes sense then with the style you guys go afterwards. It's very Mm -hmm. strong and you can feel the empowerment in every single song, which I really, really dig. So, So, so now we, we see the connection there the band name where did where did that originate since we know the band was basically like hi nice to meet you you want to be in a band <laughs> did did it take longer to come up with a name
0: so a little bit we first got together we said we're gonna like be a band and we need a name and the first name was the Harmelies. Wow. and then we waited about a week and a half maybe two weeks trying to come up with something else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we were like mm, that's gonna work it
1: works yeah let's go with it and
2: the name is is kind of a pun it's I'm a uh, big fan of puns. You know, like I'm Haley and then she's Kaylee and then we sing harmonies. And so if you like mash that all together. The harmonies. The harmonies.
1: harmonies. Okay. <laughs> Keep, keeping it very, very literal, but it works. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so so that's not where there are any, no, no time wasted. Just getting in and doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the last record before this one obviously has a very different sound, a very different configuration. Mm-hmm. Um, what led you guys to the current configuration you're in?
0: I think one thing Haley writes all the songs Mm -hmm. and I think that her style is hit the ground running. And so instead of sitting back and maybe trying to figure out exactly what we wanted to do for a year or two, her method was we just need to get out there and do it, which really worked for us. And so when we first came out, we really didn't know what we wanted. And so Mm -hmm. we just kind of did what we listened to, which was very folk Americana, slightly bluegrass. And then we realized that we actually dig more of like a, Nora Jones, Katie Herzig, slightly pop
2: but mm-hmm. still Americana esque. Yeah. We had a lot of time between the first record and our current E P. Um and during that time we had a lot of like self discovery on which way we wanted to take our music and what we were feeling and whereas the first album we just, you know, like put we were like, Oh, well, let's get something out and yeah, just we kinda were just did excited. whatever our producer was feeling and mm-hmm. you know, and we liked it at the time and I, mean, I still appreciate it. Totally. But it's just definitely different than
1: Yeah, I mean, this record, this record it, it, you can feel it. It's a lot more personal. It's a lot more intimate. It's mm-hmm. it's smaller in the right way, that, that yeah. sense of intimacy. Um, did you guys have a different recording process this time?
0: Very much so. Uh, the first time we recorded was similar to other experiences I had in the past, where we'd go in, we'd lay down the bass part, mm-hmm. then we'd lay down this, and, and one by one, we'd kind of layer everything. Uh, and then when we worked on our most recent record we did it with paul moak who is an amazing producer and he sat in the room with us and just kind of like very zen and meditative this dude with like red dreads just hanging (laughs) out (laughs) and we did a lot of the record live and just played it while Mm -hmm. he was sitting in there and like very zen
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and he kept putting um emphasis on how the like how the levels and how we play together is so important. He wanted to capture that live versus tracking each in- instrument because he felt that it would lose, um, like kind of the vibe, I guess. Yeah,
1: you lose the soul a bit. Tell yeah, you, know, you, you can feel the emotion in the music on these.
2: Yeah, the coolest thing for me was
0: I, am not, I don't consider myself a singer. I didn't start singing until I met Haley, and uh, when we started recording he put headphones on me and I tried singing and I sounded horrible Mm -hmm. and so instead of fixing me he was like okay I realize that this is how you perform so we're gonna configure something and he set up he was like he's never done this before until us but he set up a monitor so that she could have headphones I would have a monitor so I could hear the room with her Mm -hmm. and be able to harmonize and that was like super cool
1: very cool Very cool. so kind of inventing it as you go a bit yeah Yeah. totally totally so uh, I noticed with the song Each one on the EP has its own dedication of sorts in it Mm -hmm. Um, Do you Kind of find your subject first and write about it uh, and you know kind of which comes first the song itself or the dedication was one derived from the other?
2: Um, I normally come up with some sort of aerial view theme Mm -hmm. for the song Um, like I'll either have a title or like just a verse And then I'll think about it for a long time. Like I'll like write the verse or the title or like the little snippet that I have or like the idea for what I want the song to be about in my phone. And then like I I literally like just think about it for two months and then I normally come back after that and kind of hash out all the nitty gritty and that type of
1: and is it always lyrics first, music first, or just kind of wherever your brain is at the time?
2: Um, Kind of wherever my brain is at the time. It depends. Each song is different.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. A lot of writing in the car. I write in the car a lot. It's
1: one of the best places to write. Yeah.
2: It was really funny because we were on
0: tour in 2015, just the two of us, for eight months straight we were together 24 seven for eight months and she was having like crazy writer's block. Yeah. I couldn't write anything. And it's because she wasn't alone in the car. As soon as we stopped and she was alone in the car, she like
2: wrote a cause the the next day, like,
1: okay, you need to stay away for another week (laughs) because I've got it. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, now before we go more into the album, the title itself, Mm -hmm. um, is pronounced Heareth. That's what we're going with. Yes. Um, which when I looked it up online, I really dug the the concept of of what the word means which uh and and this is what the internet told me so mm-hmm. you know it could be you know alternative facts um it said that basically being homesick for a place that doesn't exist mm-hmm. which to me is so cool and as soon as i saw it, i'm like i totally get that <laughs> did the did the title for the album come from the song or you know what was in place there
2: uh actually before kaylee i kaylee and i embarked on this journey of tour um mm-hmm. the self book tour that we did uh she was on stumble upon and um i think i was like asking for your attention i was like pay attention to me yeah i was like <laughs> stop, stop playing, I was like, playing on your computer <laughs> and i was
0: having a eureka moment i was like stop hold the phone i found something <laughs> and i literally like, I like took
2: a picture of the stumble upon and yeah. then probably a year later it was like, again that thing where like i find something i like it and then i come back you i like it. yeah it's like I can't like do it right then. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I just like to have that little nugget of information <laughs> in my phone somewhere. And it just
0: felt so relevant. Like I remember yeah. the first time I went home after college for like for the summer, I just came back and I walked into my room and I was like, I am not home. Mm-hmm. And, but then I kind of didn't feel at home in Nashville and all of it was weird. Sure. So that was just like the perfect feeling for that.
1: I dig it a lot. Yeah. I really, I really like that idea. Um, so did the songs kind of then come with that as the overarching umbrella, or were these just kind of, these are the songs I, I really love right now, and that's going to become the EP?
2: Um, it, I definitely was keeping in mind the whole theme. They they all kind of connect to each other. Um, it's it's truly quite the snapshot of our lives at a certain, you know, what we were writing about was all about like one period of our mm-hmm. lives and not... It wasn't like just a collection of songs. It, it truly is like a like a concept EP.
1: Yeah, and it, and it's deeply, I take it as deeply personal. I'm telling you, these songs are <laughs> deeply personal. You wrote them, <laughs> um, and 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 you know some of them certainly feel like they are targeted at very very specific people. Birds of a feather, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, do those people realize that the song was about them, or have you kept it ambiguous enough that you they haven't confronted you about it?
2: Um, I I definitely keep it pretty ambiguous. Mm-hmm. For sure. But that was a funny one because it was the
0: first time that you wrote a song based off of somebody else's experience, not from your own, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. We had a friend who was kind of going through that. Mm-hmm. And so you wrote that song and then we showed it to her and she was like, oh my God, freaked out and cried. She cried. I loved yeah. it. I mean, absolutely loved it. and was like, "Yes, yeah, this is it. This is exactly how I feel.
1: Well, and I like that one a lot. It has this quiet intensity to it. You mm-hmm. know, that, that I think, you know, you hear it the first time. You're like, wow, it's a really cool song. But after repeated listenings, you can you can feel this tension, which is very difficult to deploy with the instrumentation that you guys have, and and mm-hmm. just kind of the overall vibe. But it's it's definitely there, and and uh, one of the more intriguing parts of the album. Going back to the title track, though, it's it's kind of almost a bit of an opposite that it has this like whimsical stroll to it, and mm-hmm. and almost seems like maybe as close to the other record as you guys got. You know, it's got a little more of a bluegrassy feel mm-hmm. to it. Um, where did you guys feel like? Hey, we need a little different instrumentation here versus that. You know, how do you guys set those songs up?
2: Uh, a funny thing is, I I mostly write on the, an instrument called a ganjo, Okay, <laughs> which is a guitar slash banjo. So it plays like a guitar. Kind of sounds like a banjo. I mean, like barely. Not mm-hmm. a good banjo. Not a good banjo. Uh-huh. It. I mean, it it. I mean, it sounds like crap. But I don't know why. I like cannot write on any of my like good guitars that I play out or like any like, real instrument. Like, I always pick up this ganjo and, like, Uh write songs on it. And, I mean, since we've been playing music, I always fight about recording with the ganjo, right? Because I want to record with the ganjo. want that essence. Yeah. Yeah, And and every time we try, you know, it sounds like crap and... You know, we don't end up doing it. And then uh, our producer actually had a ganjo, that a better ganjo, that was
1: better, ah. better
2: than mine, my hundred dollar one, a fancy ganjo, a, fancy a ganjo. fango. There you go. Huh? Is that fancy ganjo. <laughs> 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 it, it, it is now. Yeah, fango. It is now. And uh, we'll
1: hear from the ganjo players of America <laughs> on that one.
2: <laughs> and uh, and it was on here as we were we were recording it, and I don't know, something just didn't feel right about it. I think we started with it on acoustic guitar. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Let's try the ganjo," and and you didn't fight me, and it, it actually worked, worked it sounded out. Good. Yeah, it sounded like kind of weird, and I don't know what I was wanting it to sound like. Yeah.
1: So, so to jump to another song, "Mouthful of Cigarettes," mm-hmm. um, the second verse particularly jumps out to me, where you're talking about you know playing an empty bar and all that. Uh, was that was that drawn from very personal experience, or one
2: hundred percent? I was, <laughs> I was sitting. We were sitting in a bar in Portland, and Portland, Oregon, and we had just played our set there, and Mm -hmm. it was, like, a really nice place, and we had been looking forward to visiting and, like, being there for a little while, Um, and there was a string band that was playing after us, and they were so, so good, and I remember sitting there, and I was, like, super worn down from tour, and, like, I just, like, didn't want to play music anymore, and I was, like, having this entire battle in my head while, like, Kaylee was just sitting next to me, (laughs) but I was, like, battling myself, and I just... I don't know. I, I was trying to think about how to like get that spark back that I've that I managed to keep for so long, like when I started playing music and there was an ashtray full of cigarettes. And I kept thinking to myself, like, what if I just swallowed all these and like like very literal, like what if I swallowed all these and like that, like relit the flame mm-hmm. and, you know, like spark something, spark something back in me again that I had definitely put out on myself. And I wrote the term mouthful of cigarettes in my phone and then came back to came it. Came back to came it. Came back to it two months later.
1: <laughs> so just kind of trying to find a way to reignite the muse. Yeah. To me though, the the, the song that really stood out, uh, is the first song, Lady Brain. Mm-hmm. And I think certainly, especially if you look at society as it is right now, it's it's you know, I, I had I had the song in one ear and the um nevertheless she persisted. In the back of my brain the whole time, I'm like, "This is the theme song for that." Yes. (laughs) Um, Uh, where where did that come from? What was the inspiration there?
0: So, that was, (laughs) it was a true story that we were in a bar in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we had just played at a biker bar. The two of us. (laughs) We now travel with a six foot six bearded man who looks like he could kind of fit in in a biker bar, and we would have been, you know, we would have had a little cred. I feel like, Uh but it it was just us. Us two girls. And we walked in and uh, we played our set. Turns out bikers love us. There you go. A new market. Brand new market. And we go up to the bartender afterwards to get a drink. And he just goes, hey, by the way, you guys are really good for girls. <sighs> and and he, he definitely meant that as a compliment. Everyone sure, does. Yeah. Sure. Everyone does. I think that was one of the, f- the first times you had really heard it. Yeah. But as a bass player, I've heard that sure. my whole life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... We then were, we, we, you know, we live in Nashville. We have a little bit of Southern charm. And so we just (laughs) said thank you, took our Budweiser and left. Right. (laughs) And then, yeah, and then we were like, let's write a song about that. And it just seemed super fitting with everything that's happening right now Mm -hmm. politically. And um, we actually went into the studio a week before we were supposed to record and we showed him all the songs we had that didn't include Lady Brain. Uh And um, he was like, kind of didn't really feel one of them all of us weren't feeling this one song and he said play me something else you have and Haley was like i have a verse and that's it and she played the ver- the first verse of lady brain and he said finish that song and so we wrote it in a week
1: no pressure none no yeah. pressure at all. And it was none one at all. of the
0: first times we truly kind of co-wrote mm-hmm. which was cool
1: and is, yeah. it, and is that how did that change things for you then as as a co-writer then
0: that I mean, I like to call myself the cleaner. Here we uh-huh. go. So, <laughs> what, what did we decide?
2: The Zimbabwe? No. What? Okay. Do you oh. know this? Is, this <laughs> I'm having deja vu. We've done one of these, and we had the same conversation. Okay. Um. What is it called in an ice rink when the the guy machine? Zamboni. The Zamboni. Zamboni. There it I is. I am the Zamboni. Okay. Kayla's the Zamboni. So Got
1: it. Because you're the ice queen
2: yeah sure <laughs> Got
1: it.
0: so she will write the song has the concepts has everything <laughs> i come in and i say you know why don't we tweak this here or add mm-hmm. this here and but, i'm like
2: i need a two-syllable word that rhymes with this but means this
0: yeah but this was like the first time where i was coming up with actual like lines and it just felt i don't know i felt more
2: attached to it then sure
1: Sure, mm-hmm. and and you're okay with taking some constructive criticism.
2: Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> I I show Kaylee all sorts of horrible things, yeah. and I just I mean I need her to be honest because it's it's best to have Kaylee tell me than us play it for three months and then have someone else tell me. Like you know, I'd much rather yeah. have Kaylee be like, oh no, that is a horrible song. Right,
1: you don't need a yes person. <laughs> um, the the line that actually stood out to me was, uh, "Grow a garden to neglect the water." I hate to dig into a specific line, <laughs> but I was so fascinated by that—the way that that came together.
2: I think I just kind of met, meant how <laughs> you're better. You, you tell Haley
0: writes the lyrics, and then uh-huh. she has me explain <laughs> what them. she means, sure. which right, right, is right. hilarious because I'm like, I don't know why you said well, that. It's what, it's
1: what you take it as. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: to me, it's like you know, you you're raising young girls, mm-hmm. and you want to give them like all the power. But you are, you know, somewhere along the lines, they get neglected somehow. Something happens where they're not being told or shown that Mm -hmm. they can be, like, the most of their potential.
1: My thanks again to Haley and Kaylee for sitting down with me. You can find them all over the internets at The Harmalies, and that's spelled H-A-R-M-A-L-E-I-G-H-S. It's Harmalies. get it? Got it. Make sure you catch them on tour and grab the new EP. Now, before we wrap the episode, I do, of course, have your weekly Ear Fuel listening assignment. For those of you new to the podcast, each week I assign an album to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions. And for those of you not new to the podcast, I have a feeling by now you can say this part along with me. The listening assignment stems from the fact that these days, music has been largely relegated to a background task— you're driving, you're at the gym, you're at work, whatever it is, and this assignment is about taking some time each week to consciously listen to music for the sake of music alone. This week, since we are officially into the summer of 2017, your listening assignment is King Sunny Day's 1982 album, Juju Music. While you may not know the name, few will argue against giving King Sunny Day the title of King of Juju Music. With more than 120 albums to his name, Juju Music was his major label debut, and it's what really exposed him to the world at large. For more than half a century, his sound has been wonderfully unique and inspired an entire generation of African performers, and along with that, it's some of the coolest and most irresistible sounds you're going to find in any genre. Now, Juju Music actually originated in what is now Nigeria in the early 1920s, and the term refers to a common form of witchcraft. As electronic instruments began to appear after the Second World War, influences from reggae and funk and a number of other genres transformed juju into something completely new and had a more modern feel. King Sunny Day mixes both the traditional and the modern brilliantly all across this record, and the smooth, mellow, bright grooves are the ideal summer soundtrack. <music> ¶¶ This album is a mood machine, and you can almost smell the summer air on these tracks. Where this album most clearly deviates from what most people believe to be African musical sounds is in the speed and in the volume. It's not that these songs are slow, but there's a very restrained percussive presence when compared to groups like Tanariwen or Africa 70, and just the overall feel is much softer in a very good way. The songs are more about melody than rhythm, and it borders on ethereal or spacey at times. As you hear King Sonny's guitar dance across these songs, you're going to find where Paul Simon got much of his inspiration for albums like Graceland and Rhythm of the Saints. These are the blueprints for those records. The tracks are simply mesmerizing, and even if you don't speak the language, you can feel the emotion and meaning behind the words just the same. (laughs) I just don't know any other way to say it. These songs are cool. Along with the opening track, you must give a listen to the song 365 is my number slash the message, as it's one of those songs that remains unparalleled in terms of sound and feel. From captivating instrumentation to hypnotic vocal work, King Sonny Ade's Juju Music is one of those albums that you are going to forever love once you spin it the first time. So go put your ears on it right now. Thank me later. So that's all for this week. As always, you can find me on Twitter at, at @getearfuel and at The Daily Guru. And the podcast is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores, along with at getearfuel.com. That is your weekly ear fuel. Share and enjoy.